0: I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the channel. It would be wrong of me not to do a special bike-size edition of the podcast in reaction to England's women winning Euro 2022, and they did it in dramatic fashion. An extra time victory over Germany in front of a record crowd of over 87,000 people. What a way to do it. What a way uh, to wrap it up. Congratulations to the Lionesses. They were brilliant throughout the tournament. They were brilliant in parts today as well. I thought they struggled a little bit in the second half against Germany, who were starting to wrestle back control of the game. I thought Ella Toon's goal, which was superb, by the way, came uh, a little bit against the run of play. Germany, of course, responded, forcing the game to extra time. But in the end, the Lionesses got the job done. Chloe Kelly scoring 10 minutes from time to wrap up the victory and make sure that it did come home. I mean, look, there's lots to unpack here. There's lots to talk about. And, you know, I'm not going to pretend to be this expert in women's football all of a sudden because I've been following this tournament. I'm not going to pretend that there aren't people out there far better qualified than me to talk about the impact that this tournament has had on the women's game, to talk about the impact it's had on the kind of more casual fans, supporters, if you like. I want to talk a little bit about what it means to me from an Arsenal perspective to see Leah Williamson captain the Lionesses and take them to the trophy. Talk about Beth Mead, who, of course, was uh, was crowned the golden boot winner as well. There is quite a bit to dive into. I'm going to keep it short and sweet, but I want to touch on a few points. England winning the championships for the first time ever. That's significant in itself. That's history in itself. And you have to give Serena Vigman a lot of credit because, you know, there were a lot of question marks going into the tournament about what her starting lineup would be. One of the big things that was repeatedly said was, this England side have incredible depth. They've got so many good players. And that, of course, means headaches for the manager. Good headaches, of course. But it does mean that as a manager, you've got to think long and hard. You're going to disappoint somebody, whatever it is that you decide to do. But Serena Viegman had obviously thought about this long and hard. Had obviously thought about this uh, in a lot of detail and planned out exactly how she wanted to approach games. She named the same starting 11, if I'm not mistaken, throughout the competition, but was always willing to bring on players from the substitutes bench to impact the game as and when needed. And how often did those substitutes have that desired effect? The timing of the substitutions was pretty much spot on every time. The impact of those substitutions was hugely significant. And you've got to give Serena Viegman a hell of a lot of credit. She brought a unity to the team. She brought a togetherness to the team. And I think when the final whistle went, the way that everybody sort of first reaction was to, you know, to pay their tribute, if, if you like, and I'm talking about the playing stuff, I'm talking about the coaching stuff, to Serena Vigman before going off the hinge and going absolutely bonkers, as they're fully entitled to do, uh, was a telltale sign of that. But I really do believe, as someone who hasn't been across the women's game as much as probably I should, um, not for any other reason other than just there's just too much football, um, you know, for me to keep across. And, and you know, that's been The problem. I've got immense respect for the women's game. I think it is very much on the up. I still think there are some things that need to be improved on. I still think that we as a society need to stop talking about it as if it's this project that we should be helping along because we feel sorry for it. You know, it's much more than that. It's much deeper than that. It's already much, much bigger than that. And I think we saw that um, today, 87 plus thousand people inside Wembley. And the standard of the game was pretty good too. And I said this on TalkSport the other day when we were discussing it. I said, what this tournament has really done is shone a light, not on the fact that women's football goes on and not on the fact that, you know, women play it. We all know that they do. We all know that it's there. But it really shone a light for me on how good some of the football is and that actually, while there are still a lot of people out there that turn their noses up at it. Well, right now, that's not justified. In the past, I'll be honest, I've watched women's football and thought, okay, it's developing. It's not quite there yet. Not sure I'm ready or willing right now to invest my spare time in it, my extra time in it um, for that reason but it has developed, it has improved. And it is now a point, women's football, where it is impossible to ignore. And as I say, this really feels like a liftoff point in the way that there was a huge liftoff point in America when the USA won the World Cup. You saw the effect of that, what it meant for the sport, for the women's sport in the country, which women's soccer in America is probably bigger than men's, right? I, I mean, or as big, at least, you know, it's certainly there certainly isn't that chasm in terms of the difference in terms of interest between men's football and women's football that we have here in the States, it's a much more level playing field. And that's as a consequence of a number of factors. But one of them being that, of course, uh, the USA women managed to capture the imagination and the heart of, of the nation with that victory. I think this could be a very similar um, point for the women's game here. I think it could be a very have a very similar effect in that those who were maybe a little bit reluctant to spend their time on it, a little bit reluctant to kind of open themselves up to both men's and women's football. A lot of those people now will certainly give it more attention because this group, these lionesses have inspired the country, inspired the nation. Um, They've inspired people to take up the game, young girls who want to play the game, young girls who watch that and think that is something that I want a piece of. You know, it can be something that sparks people's dreams, but also, um just in general it's just shone the women's game in such a positive light it's unbelievable um as for some of the arsenal ladies involved in the competition i mean leah williamson just captain fantastic and i know there was talk at the start of the tournament and going into the tournament you know will leah williamson be good enough is she experienced enough to take all of this on her shoulders? Is she experienced enough? You know, I I know that there was people out there from sort of some work that I've done um, who follow the women's game a lot closer than I do and and in a lot more detail than I do, who were not sure that Leah Williamson should start every game. They were not sure whether Leah Williamson should be playing a little bit further forward in midfield. And and there was all sorts of debate around her, but she did step up. Um, She, I think, Hardly put a foot wrong throughout the entire tournament. She was so secure, so solid, so composed when it really mattered as well. And I think, you know, she's come out of this tournament um, with a lot of credit and, and deservedly so. And what a moment for her to lift the trophy. England's first ever one in front of that packed stadium uh, at Wembley. Uh, phenomenal. And it will only do us good as Arsenal, you know. Um, you know, imagine what that does for someone's confidence. It kind of gives them an air of invincibility you'd think at least for a period of time um superb to see and Beth Mead I mean golden boot winner fully deserved she was probably England's most impactful player throughout the tournament I would argue England's best player I think there was a few others I thought Walsh was very good in midfield with some of her passing I thought Millie Bright was great alongside Leah Williamson I thought the fullbacks were good as well um You know, I thought Alessia Russo impacted games very, very well when she came on. I mean, look, everybody did well. There's not an England player, Mary Earps in goal. There's not an England player that I think comes away from the tournament without their head held high. But um, to see Beth Mead kind of really take it on after, you know, she's had some some issues in the past. Maybe issues is the wrong word, some disappointments in the past. Uh, Obviously was left out of that Olympic squad and that cut quite deep. She's had a very good season last season with Arsenal. Jonas Eideval, who's been uh, a huge part of the BBC coverage uh, throughout the tournament, has spoken glowingly about her and uh, and talked about the fact that, you know, everybody knew what she was capable of. But now we're seeing it on a far more consistent basis. And it's just brilliant to see, isn't it? Um, speaking about the game itself, I thought the first half was was fairly even, Um You know, I really did. I didn't think there was too much between the two teams. I know there was a lot of complaints, a lot of frustration around the referee. Um, The referee was incredibly inconsistent and overall um, pretty poor, to be honest. And, you know, maybe that's something if we're talking about development areas that we need to look at. But having said that, you know, you think about the men's game and, and even at the very, very elite level where there is 10 times, 20 times, 50 times more money, more uh, more money at stake, more eyes on the game. There's still really poor refereeing decisions. So I guess that's just a football problem in general. But, I mean, you know, the referee was inconsistent in that first half. I, I did find it a little bit... I, I found the whole coverage of it, although it just a touch bias um, because, you know, I understand that there were a few incidences that should have led to German players being booked. But I thought Georgia Stanway was incredibly fortunate to stay on the pitch. And I saw sort of people on social media and I heard in the commentary uh, during the game, you know, when she made the first challenge and she got the yellow card, people saying, you know, that wasn't a yellow card. There was nothing in it, hardly any contact, etc, etc, etc. But it wasn't the point that the contact was particularly robust or or anything like that. The point was that she'd stopped the breakaway. That's why she received the yellow card. It wasn't because of the force of the challenge. It was because of how deliberate it was and how cynical it was in a situation where she'd lost the ball and would have put her team, quite frankly, into deep shit. So, yeah, um, I, I didn't have a you know, I didn't have an issue with that particular decision. And I thought, actually, when she went on to make that second challenge, which was as much of a booking as the first one, she was quite fortunate to get away with that. So it kind of swings and roundabouts when it comes to the referee. But in the second half, I thought Germany were were much, much better. They were just the much better side. And and there's no getting away from that. I thought they controlled the game. Um, I thought the goal scored by Elatoun, which was superb, by the way. I mean, what a finish. The pass from Walsh as well to just split open that German defence. The run from Ella from that midfield position as well to get there was sublime too. I, I, the finish was great. I'm not taking anything away from her. It was an unbelievable finish. And it was so cool and calm and collected. And to be like that, ice cold in, in a game of this magnitude is, is truly incredible. The ball, if you look at it, just it just pops up perfectly for her to lift it over the goalkeeper. And, you know, you need that little bit of fortune as well. And it just was such a beautiful goal aesthetically to watch. And what a way that would have been to go on and win the Euros. But as I said, Germany were on top in that second half. They kept their call. Cool. They didn't panic. They continued to make chances. They continued uh, to dominate possession. And it was a really, really uh, well-worked goal. Brilliant work down that right-hand side before Magul uh, was there. Uh, after Vasmuth put the ball into the penalty area to finish probably in the only way she could really at the near post. You had to lift that to beat the goalkeeper. You had to basically put it in the roof of the net from that angle to stand any chance of scoring. And she did exactly that. And from then on, I kind of feared for England. I've got to be honest, I thought in extra time, this smelt of England, Italy in the men's Euros, Um, that's what it reminded me of. It felt like it was heading that way. It was heading towards penalty kicks. And we know the Germans are formidable when it comes to penalties, certainly in the men's game. And I'd imagine that uh, they're pretty damn good at it too in the women's game. So I was starting to fear for England. I think the atmosphere inside Wembley, I'm not going to say went flat because I wasn't there. I can't, I can't, You know, testify to that, but it didn't seem as raucous as it was in the early stages of the game through the TV anyway. And that would have been a consequence of nerves within the stadium. It's understandable. We've all been there. I mean, when I'm at Arsenal and and we're losing a game or we're under pressure or I'm starting to get nervous, I'm literally sitting there biting my nails. I'm not singing. I'm not shouting. I'm not doing any of that. Um, I might explode from time to time when the referee gives a decision I don't like. But that, again, born out of frustration, born out of nerves. Um, But then, of course, England get the goal. Um, you know, Chloe Kelly, brilliant work to kind of use her body and spin off the player. Probably should have got hold of the initial effort a little bit more. But When the ball fell, she was the quickest to react. Um, the way she kind of wasn't sure if the goal had been given or not and just took that few seconds, uh, to start celebrating that little delay just to make sure was, was also, um, brilliant to see as well. Just put a little bit of a smile on my face. And, and you could see from her celebration exactly how much that meant her. So you could see from the scenes at the final whistle that this is not just, as I say, about England going on and winning a major tournament, which is obviously incredible in itself. This is not just about England being crowned European champions for the first time in their history, because, again, in itself, that is a fantastic achievement. This is about liftoff for the women's game. In the sense of, yes, it's been growing and it's been growing on an upward trajectory that's been pretty steady. But I feel like this will give it a massive spike, a massive boost, uh, because the whole country have just been, you know, completely engaged. And and that is not just because England won. That's because their performances have been exciting, enjoyable. You know, um, there's been drama, there's been energy, there's there's been full stadiums they've just managed to do such a great job of getting the buy-in of every stakeholder possibly involved in this women's Euros. And they've done a sublime job of, of getting everybody together and creating a package, which turned out to be, be a really, really good, enjoyable tournament with the perfect result at the end. Um, so congratulations to the Lionesses. Congratulations to Serena Wiegmann, everybody else involved. You've got to give your commiserations to Germany because you know, I, I thought on the overall balance of play, they'll probably feel a little bit unlucky uh, to have lost the game. But, you know, there's someone's got to lose. You know, that's how it goes. But those are my thoughts on the women's Euro 2022 final. England, the crown champions. Congratulations to the Lionesses. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to leave a like on the video. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're new. Help us towards our goal, uh, which we're hoping to get to in the not too distant future and keep your eyes peeled on the channel because we've got our Arsenal season preview coming up tomorrow. We've got um, a preview of the Crystal Palace game coming up a little bit later in the week. We're going to be bringing you reaction to the Crystal Palace game and I'm going to be sharing with you guys on a separate show my Premier League predictions for the 2022-23 season. I'll be back soon with more until next time. Cheers.